0: Another episode of Wizards After Dark is underway. I'm Fred Katz. I come to the Wizards for The Athletic, and I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. Uh, I was not in Detroit for tonight's game. I am home. It's the night after Christmas. It was an intuitive one to miss, and uh, honestly, I don't know if I missed all that much. The Wizards lost 106-95. to 95. They were down 20, what was it, 22. Came back, cut it to three in the fourth quarter. It's an act we've seen before. They never actually ended up taking the lead, and they lost by 11. Uh, John Wall had 21, seven and eight. Only had two in the second half. His only bucket game with about three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Bradley Beal had 21. Also, Yamahimi destroyed Langston Galloway, and Thomas Saranski destroyed Zaza Pachulia on two separate dunks. And those were the two wins for the Wizards tonight on the Skyline. line. I got, like, what, how many times have you been on now, Ben? Ben Standing from NBC Sports. Do I, I NBC think I, I,
1: I think maybe I get my five-timers jacket like you have on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Imagine someone, well, what would, like, yeah, you've
0: just kind of gone, like, full Baldwin here. Because, like, Baldwin is just <laughs> showing up now, you know? Like, he goes Wait. five times a season. More than that.
1: Oh, yeah. And yeah. he, he's on the he's on the cast, but he's not actually mentioned On on the cast, so yeah, I'm uh, I so yeah, I don't need to get a credit, but give me like the Heather Locklear and Melrose place, like special guest star Ben Standing. When you when you roll out the credits, I'll just take that.
0: There we go. So you go to Melrose place as the go to, I would have gone to 90210.
1: Well, but that was like with with, with, uh, Heather Locklear, like that was the deal, right? She like. They when she came on like she wasn't like the the first person but she was like give, put me at the end but make it whatever it was said like special guest star like she got the spotlight treatment no matter where she was in the uh in the rankings.
0: Well that was uh that was Luke Perry come the end of 90210.
1: He oh left right the show, right.
0: left the show and then came back to 90210 and he was he was like at the end it was like starring Luke Perry.
1: I, I want, it, it's, it's fascinating that Ian Zeering got Sharknado, but Luke Perry has not had, maybe he has, I've missed it, but he hasn't had his sort of kitsch moment where like, you know, he gets that big comeback at some point here. We're, we're waiting, it'll, it'll happen. No,
0: Jason Priestley never really had that either.
1: He didn't, I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons, they do their Rewatchables uh, podcast, which is, a, I, I like those, and they just did Tombstone and they spent a lot of time talking about Jason Priestley's big role there. That was like 20 years ago. And I don't think he's done much, much since then.
0: No, no. And he was, like, directing 90210 episodes. He was going to be a thing, you
1: know? Oh, and then he loved it. Poor, poor Brandon Walsh.
0: Man, we've started this episode by just talking about the Walsh twins. And that that probably says all you need to know about this game. <laughs> uh, let's let's – should we start in the third quarter? Seems to make sense to start. It was a one-point
1: game at halftime. The Wizards didn't have an early game meltdown. They decided to change the script a little bit and have that later. Well, so here's the
0: thing. Early in the year, the early game meltdown thing was, like, really real, right? And it's still real to some degree. But the Wizards are starting to spread out their extreme ineptness throughout entire games. If you look at their quarter-by-quarter breakdowns, actually, you know what? I always do this. I just call stuff up in the middle of an episode. I'm just going to call this up, and I'm just going to say what the actual numbers are for right now, because you look at the quarterback quarter breakdowns, and they're still good in fourth quarters. They're, like, plus a lot in fourth quarters. But a lot of that is because of crap like this, where they're down 20, and they come back, and it doesn't actually end up meaning anything. Or they're garbage time minutes, where, like, Troy Brown's net rating is really high, because they're good in garbage time, you know? Like... You, you look at this team and it, it pretty much stinks across the board now. Like it's not like you just see they're trailing early and that's what the problem is, like it was early in the year, or they get killed in this particular quarter and you just shore that up and, and that's it. Like no, they, they just aren't, aren't really good in, in anything. So right now in first quarters, they're minus 9.4 for 100 possessions. That obviously stinks and is 27th in the NBA in that rating. In second quarters, they are minus 7.9, a little bit better, still horrible, 26th in the NBA. Third quarters, they are minus 7.4, barely better, marginally better. So it's not like they're good in third quarters, it's also 26th in the NBA. They stink in third quarters too. That is a horrendous net rating. And then fourth quarters is when they really even out their overall net rating. I shouldn't say even out because it's not even, but they really somehow make it a lot better. They're seventh in the NBA in fourth quarter net rating. They're plus 5.9. But a lot of that is just like the stuff we saw tonight. Like the Wizards across the board. It's not. They're worse in the first quarter, but they still are really, really bad in the second and third. They're just across the board, not playing good basketball at any point anymore.
1: No, no. I mean, I, I think the only thing they're doing on some level is. Like, uh, somebody asked me earlier tonight if I was just going to take a story I wrote earlier, earlier in the season and just change the details to fill in the gaps here. And it is sort of like, okay, wait, what was the script last game? Oh, that's right. We don't want to have it be the, uh, you know, the, the, the couple, uh, you know, uh, falls in love with the drive-in. we got to switch it up this time. They're going to meet at the grocery store, but she's going to play coy, and he's not going to be able to, uh, you know, he's not going to get the date he wants right away, whatever the stupid scenario is. They just keep changing the script just enough to sort of make it different, but yes, it's it's essentially the same. It's actually a better analogy to go really old TV again. It's like Three's Company, where like every episode, there's some misunderstanding, and then at the end, it all gets fixed, fixed, where... Uh, Jack Tripper gets to stay in the apartment. It's essentially the same thing. When, no matter how it, there's, a, there's, something, there's some discommunication, some disconnect, and whatever else happens, they end up losing late in the game. Uh, and um, this was no exception. It's, uh, I, don't, you know, yeah, I basically have run out of words. not a good thing on a podcast, but it's, it's, it's hard to, keep, to figure out new ways to talk about this team when it is, unfortunately, some version of the same story.
0: The Wizards right now, so the Cleveland Cavaliers have the worst record in the NBA. The Suns won tonight, so the Cavaliers have the worst record in the NBA. They're 8-26. and Stinks. They're really, really bad. They have the worst events in the league by far. The Wizards are as close to the Cavaliers in the loss column as they are to the 8 seed. Like, we're talking about, you know what, the East sucks, they can still get in, and they can still get in. Like, they're five in the lost column back of the eighth seed right now, right? Is that right? Am I making that up? I um, i right. uh, I think,
1: five I think they're five back
0: because Charlotte lost to the Nets tonight. So that means Charlotte's it. Yeah, so Charlotte's at 16 and 17. So they're five back in the lost column of the eighth seed right now. It's doable. There's enough time to come back. But for perspective,
1: there's enough time
0: to be the worst team in the NBA, too. And I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the NBA. But the Wizards are falling. And like, they're doing it efficiently. They're falling quickly. They have lost a lot of games lately. And this is not necessarily a game they should have won. They're not as good as Detroit. But that's kind of the whole point. Detroit had lost 9 of 11 coming into tonight. They are the eight seed. They're just about an average mediocre NBA team. And the Wizards looked significantly worse than them for a good portion of that game. And that's not what a team that's on the verge of turning it around looks like. It's just not.
1: So, so you mentioned that Detroit had lost 9 of 11. They are 500, though, right? 16 and 16, I think? Mm-hmm. So to have lost 9 and 11 and be 500 means that at, at another point in the season, they were pretty good. Not just like 500, but they were legit good. The problem with looking at the Wizards is they've had these down parts of the year, but they've never really had a significant uptick—not one where you were in the moment, thought to yourself, "Wow, they have figured things, things out." They've won three in a row a couple times. You know, they, they had one. You know, they did have a stretch where they were record-wise a little bit better. But like, it's never been like, "Wow, that team is taking names." It's almost like every game, yeah, they okay, they won. But Anthony Davis didn't play. Yeah, they won, but the Clippers were on the road the night before. They won, but, you know, I just can't can't honestly look at a point of this season and think, right there, that's a team that's going to make a run in the playoffs. And because they haven't, it makes me question the idea of, yes, they could still make the playoffs fairly easily. But we're almost at the halfway point of the year, and at no point have they looked like a team that was capable of doing that, and at some point, you just have to say it's not going to happen. I mean, obviously, you could go to game 50, still look like, you know, indifferent at best, and then kill it over the final 32 games, but I'm just saying, realistically, you are at some point what your record says you are, I think as Bill Parcell said, and at this point, it's just hard to get behind the Wizards and think, yes, they're going to turn this around. They could. The playoffs aren't far away, but... What do you At some point, you got to actually do it.
0: Yeah, and here's the thing: you, you talked about this. It's just the same storylines every time.
1: It's they play
0: with okay energy in the first half. John Wall specifically does a good job getting to the hoop. They guard him the same way coming out of the third quarter. Like they are guarding him the same way in the first half and and the second half. And he just kind of stops going at the hoop. He just stops. He doesn't do it. Uh, you know, they the defense just kind of relents. as a lot of moments where, like, you know, I've been thinking about, because I've written about the defense so many times, and I'm like, how can I have a fresh take? And I don't know, I'm not really a take guy, but how can I have, like, fresh analysis of what they're doing? And it's just like, okay, here they just didn't bother to close out, you know? Here they didn't bother to get into proper position. And it's the same kind of stuff, which kind of doesn't lend itself to good interesting analysis. It just comes off as piling on, you know? Because it's just here's a time where they messed up and here's a time where they messed up. And it's just they messed up because they didn't put themselves in a position to succeed. And it's happening over and over again. I thought in the third quarter Wall stopping to go at the hoop uh, hurt their offense to a degree. They didn't make threes again. They they only Grabbed 63% of available defensive rebounding opportunities, which is really, really bad. Worse than their season number, and that made sense because Detroit has some good rebounders, especially with Andre Drummond out there. But the rebounding continues to be a problem. At the end of the game, let's do some analysis. End of the game, Scott Brooks goes super small. Jeff Green's in foul trouble, but he could have gone back to Jeff Green. He only had four fouls. I thought it was interesting that Brooks didn't put Jeff Green back in the game, considering... Green has been good. And Brooks has gotten away from Jeff Green at the five lineups lately, which had success when he played them earlier in the year. He went with Morris at the five and Trevor Ariza at the four. And I've asked Brooks a number of times if he at all is just going to get to a point where he's just going to see a lack of success on the defensive boards and just punt on rebounding and be like, let's just run out an offensive unit that can just kill teams. And, He's done it in spurts. He did it in a spurt again tonight to close. Uh, what's what's your feeling on Brooks more often just going to these super-duper small lineups, even playing like Jeff Green at the 5 and just seeing if you can have a 115 offensive rating?
1: Well, well you and I are on the same page here because – like, I've always liked when you see teams that, like, for whatever the reason, that, you know, especially you see this more in college, you know, they just don't have a big man or somebody got hurt. Now, all of a sudden, they just have to go with, like, a four-guard lineup and their big man is like a scrappy six six forward. And, like, somehow they, they hang in there. And, you know, it, it, to me, this is where it feels like the Wizards need to go. Like, the Thomas Bryant part is cool. Obviously, he had the massive game against Phoenix. He only played 18 minutes today. And um, I get why they used John Mahimi a little bit more, but, like, yeah, I to me it would be like, look, we got to go with our strengths. Rebounding isn't going to work. We're getting killed in that department, no matter what happens. Brooks has said that himself. Just go with your go go with a different way. Go go small. Run the court. Force Andre Drummond to chase you. That said, I, I was like at one point I legitimately was like, wait a minute. I know Yan Mihimi fouled out. Did Jeff Green foul out? Did I miss an injury update because I know he picked up his fourth foul like 63 seconds into the um, third quarter, and then he, I don't think, literally ever came back in the game. Yeah. And and I have no idea why. To me, if you said rank the, the best Wizards this year, I mean, taking Otto Porter out right now since he's not playing, I think Jeff Green is third. So I don't understand how he's not on the court. Fine, you wanted to give him the quarter to not get more foul trouble. Fine, but... But then I don't, I didn't get it. Markeith Morris, just, you know, we talked about it before. I think of the last time I was on, his defensive rating isn't so hot. I get maybe you want a bigger guy in there against Drummond. But, I, yeah, so what? Like, make Drummond chase you. Put your best team out there and kind of go fr- from there. So to me, Jeff Green's on the court late. And, yes, I don't have an issue with these smaller liners because the nothing else is working. If, if you know, if you think Thomas Bryant's cool, I'm fine with that. Mahimi, in fairness to him, was a plus Fifteen tonight in the plus minus stat. He was, he was good, good tonight, Mahimi. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely. Was. But like you know, consistently, he's not. He did foul out again. Uh, I I, I laughed um, and I cry. And but yeah, I, I I to me that's I'm with you where, you where you where your where your line of questioning is. Just go this other way. Just run the court and and see what happens. That's their best lineups are out there with Jeff Green and Ariza. Um, who the fifth guy is until you get out of Porter, you can maybe debate Sadaransky or, or even if you want marquee, fine. But go that way. Don't. I, I, that's what I would. Do. I would play to my strengths and not worry about matching up to the other guy.
0: Considering the way Jeff Green has played this year, I'd be playing him at the five more. And if your concern is rebounding, hey, Jeff Green and Marquis Morris have nearly identical rebounding numbers so far this year. Like nearly I- nearly identical, Jeff. Jeff Green, they have the same offensive rebound rate, and Jeff Green's offensive rebound rate, defensive rebound rate, is like fifteen percent, and Marquise Morris's is like seventeen percent. Overall, their overall defense, their overall rebounding rate is separated by less than one percentage point. They are the same rebounder this year,
1: and And Jeff Green's a better. I mean, he's better at defensive switching. He's unbelievably shooting a higher percentage from three right now. He's better at the free throw line. Yeah, I mean, there's... I, there's Most importantly, he's going to be better defensively. Because if you're going to play that lineup,
0: then you can play into the switch, the switch mentality. And, like, what's the point? You're not really playing super small if you still have a five you're not going to feel comfortable switching with. Then, like, you're just playing small in size. You're not playing small in scheme. When people say play small and go small, they mean play small in scheme. Like that's the whole point of it. Otherwise you're just making yourself shorter. They're not saying go short, they're saying go small, you know? And if you're playing your, I got the five who isn't going to switch, then it's like, it's not really a thing. There are loads of stretch fives anyway. Like that you're not going small with Brooke Lopez because Brooke, even though Brooke Lopez shoots threes, because Brooke Lopez isn't going to switch. Like, the whole point is that you can have this really versatile defense now, and that's what it means by going small. And if you can do that with Jeff Green. Look, Jeff Green is not this all-world defender, and he's going to mess stuff up, and he's going to miss rotations, and sometimes the effort's not going to be there, but he's going to be better than Marquise Morris, who, again, I thought got hurt defensively tonight. Um, That was, you know, I don't know. It was a weird thing. It's not a huge deal. Every once in a while, you're going to give a guy away. And I actually had no problem with the Mahimi minutes tonight. I don't think Brooks came in thinking – I think he came in thinking Mahimi was going to play because of the the griffin Drummond matchup and the fact that those guys are on the floor. But I don't think he came in thinking Mahimi was going to play 28. I think Mahimi was just good tonight, and he ro- I let, him, let him roll. Like, I, I had no problem with Mahimi playing 28. That was fine. They were good minutes, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Mahimi, it, I think there's a reason why Scott Brooks is right to not play him most of the time, but there are some matchups where it kind of makes sense, this is one of them, and he played well, I mean, the, the uh, airballed free throw aside, <laughs> he he played he played well, the fouling out is just unfortunately par for the course for him, and um, it's one of those down effects, but yes, I didn't have an issue with that for the most part, again, plus 15 in a game the Wizards lose by double digits, right, so um, yeah, that, that that was fine, but, um, yeah, the Jeff Green thing, I, 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 I you know, th- these are the things, like I've always said, I'm never going to assume ever that I know more X's and O's than a coach. But sometimes you look at things like these minutes, you're like, wait, did you guys, like, forget that Jeff Green was playing? Like, I don't know. Like Yes, they did have a big run where they got it down from 22 to 3, but so what? <laughs> like, I mean, it went from 3 to 7. At some point, don't you Like we could do something? And they never did. Not with Jeff Green, at least.
0: It is amazing how this wizard season has gone. Could you, could you imagine if I said to you in September that, what was this, game 35, that in game 35 we would spend the majority of a post-game podcast talking about the questionable decision to leave Jeff Green on the bench for most of the second half. Like, can you, <laughs> that's, that is, I think, the greatest signifier of how this season has gone. That this should not be really a conversation, and we're probably playing it up into more than it should be, because in reality, the reason they lost is because they played on the road, and they're not as good as the Pistons, and because they're four and sixteen on the road, and that's why they lost. Uh, but. It is amazing that we're sitting here talking about from from both a Jeff Green having a good season perspective and from a where the Wizards stand and where this roster stands perspective that we're sitting here having a conversation about Jeff Green. I, I want to get into the Wizards after dark positive moment of the night, which I have to brand because there are all these losses happening right now, and I, I feel like we have to get into something positive. The defense, I mean, they, they did come back. I'm sure Wizards fans are super frustrated by hearing that thing right now because they do this all the time, right? They get down big, they come back. They got down 25 in Indianapolis, and they come back against the Pacers, and they make it a one-point game, and they lose by eight or nine or whatever it was. The exact same thing happened in Orlando. They got down by 25. They came back, made it a one-point game, never actually took the lead, and ended up losing by eight or nine again. They've done this in other scenarios too. A couple other times they've actually come back. They did it against the Flippers. They did it against the Rockets. They came back in both those games. But they've still shown this inability to put together an actual good game. But let's let's talk about the good stretch for a little bit because the defense was – I thought Detroit got sloppy when they got up big. This the, the, the whole theme of this game was one team got comfortable, started getting sloppy, started giving the ball away. The other team started getting into passing lanes and going on runs. And the Wizards ended up with uh, – how many turnovers? 16 turnovers. Detroit had 24 turnovers. Wizards were plus eight in the turnover column and still lost. A lot of those turnovers came during that run when the Wizards came back and down 22 to make it a three-point game. And and Trevor Ariza specifically, it wasn't just all the threes he was hitting. He was clearly out from three. He was getting into passing lanes. They were playing harder. They were sticking with men. Like, they look good when they're getting into passing lanes. This defense dating back to last year has been good at forcing turnovers. And they're good when they're getting turnovers because then John Wall and other guys can get out on the run, and they're good when they're out on the run. It just is – it's got to be frustrating if you're a Wizards fan or you are a Wizards employee or you're a Wizards front office guy or a Wizards player a Wizards coach, whatever it might be. It's got to be frustrating that this stuff happens for six, eight-minute stretches and doesn't sustain.
1: And to your point, about to to what we were just talking about, about – playing to your strengths, in this case, maybe just going small. You're right. They are among the league leaders, I believe, in deflections and, you know, and things like that. And, look, I mean, part of that was, you know, guy who just left Kelly Oubre. But, uh, you know, they, they added um, Trevor Ariza, who's obviously, you know, known for his defense. By the way, Sam Decker did not play tonight, not saying that that's a crime against humanity, but obviously he's another guy who's an active body in the front court. That can get up and down. You didn't use him, uh, but he's a guy you would think on some degree they can get in the the passing lanes. Obviously, getting out of a quarterback, we don't know when that's happening, would help a lot in in that discussion. And you know, I would add another guy in this in this sense. If you decide, look, let's just go this way. Let's be an up tempo team. Get in the passing lanes defensively. I would think that their first round pick Troy Brown is another guy. You know he's not the, considered to be a tremendous athlete, but he's a very smart basketball IQ. He's been getting, you know, he's gotten some steals when he's been in games. That to me is another move to me where if you do commit to sort of going with this small ball, like you said, I think you explained it nicely. It's more about scheme, not just size. Then that will be a guy that I would consider getting in getting in the game just for that purpose. I'm not even talking about the fact that he was a 15th pick and all that stuff. I'm just saying. If we want to go this way, that's a guy to get in the court, and just go with that approach. Stay aggressive, like force yourself almost to stay with that mindset of we're gonna, you know, up tempo. Get in the. Path. This is this is who we are. We're going we're, we're going with this guy, and but I, I don't know. It doesn't, you know. One thing about Brooks, I, I definitely noticed over the years is that he. I, I, this has always been a bugaboo for me. It, it stemmed a lot from covering Georgetown and watching. Uh, the teams under John Thompson the third, the Princeton offense, as it were, it was a read-and-react offense, and they would say, we'll take what the defense gives you, and I always counter with, don't you at some point want to impose your own will? And I just feel like sometimes with Brooks, he counters to the other guy and rather than say, look, this is what we're going to do. You put My five guys are on the court. Let's go. And he, I, I would like to see more of that, make the commitment to go with that. Like Again, if he agrees with us, maybe he doesn't. Go with that small... Smaller lineup. Again, it's easier said than done. They don't have a lot of pieces. Porter's out. Dwight Howard, let's not even forget him. But to me, I see that's something we have to make a call. This is what we're doing and stay with it.
0: Yeah. And to your point, uh, no Decker tonight, no Ron Baker tonight. That's also a rotational change. Uh, Brooke shortened it up a little bit. Maybe when Mahimi is not in his optimal of a matchup, maybe then you get Sam Decker coming back into the rotation or something like that. I wonder what's going to happen with Otto. He was out again tonight. They got the back to back on Friday, Saturday against Chicago and Charlotte. It's an opportunity to pick up some wins. Like the Wizards are okay at home. What are they? Nine and six at home? They're four and 16 on the road, which is dreadful. Uh, but they're, they got a winning record at home. They got Chicago at home. They got Charlotte at home. And then they got three days off before they have Atlanta at home. If they're going well, you say they should win all three of those games. Uh, so back-to-back. So, I mean, we, we – I'm not going to say they should win two out of three because they're 13-22. and 22. Uh, But I, I will say that, like, even a sub-500 team, majority of the time, you simulate, simulate that out and they win two out of three. So that's something where they, they should be able to at least pick up a couple victories, and then they have a little bit of a tough road trip where they got at Miami, at Oklahoma City – and at Philadelphia. Um, anything else before we go?
1: No, I mean I really do think. I mean, you touched on the schedule a little bit. Uh, th- th- I wrote a little bit about this earlier uh, before the game. I, there have been several times this year where there was a, a three, four, five game stretch where you think, okay, here we go. This is a chance to get right. You're playing against some tough, t- some some relatively easy teams, by, you know, based on schedule, and they've never quite taken full advantage of it. If they don't take full advantage of this one right here, things could get in trouble quickly because the games right after the ones you just talked about, there's a. What do they got? A, at Miami, at Oklahoma City, a home and home with Philly, Milwaukee, Toronto. I forget which order Milwaukee, Toronto's in. That is a brutal six game stretch. Miami has been one of the hotter teams in the East, so. You know, like you said, it's hard to say the Wizards are going to be – you can't point to any game and say flat out they're going to win. We can maybe project based on a point spread kind of thing what, what that they'll be favored. I don't think they'll be favored in any of those six games. So if they don't get these games – if they don't get some momentum quick and get these games, these next three games, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know, th- w- the next time you have me on, we could be talking about how does Zion Williamson fit in because they, they, they've they got to have to get some momentum going here. It's still possible, but, you know, you got to get going here.
0: Yeah, and one thing that I'm wondering is, like, and I know this is a conversation that you and I have had a lot, and we've had it with the other beat writers too. So you look at John Wall's numbers, and you look at Bradley Beal's numbers, and you compare them to other guards in the Eastern Conference, and, like, those guys are all-stars. But uh, the way that so many – you know, the media and the fans and the players vote on the starters and the coaches pick the reserves. And the way that so many coaches end up picking the reserves is they look through and they look through the standings and they determine how many All-Stars each team deserves. Okay, Toronto's got the best record in the NBA. They deserve two. So Kawhi and Lowry make it. Milwaukee's got the second best record in the NBA. They deserve two too. So all of a sudden, like Eric Bledsoe slides in, you know, or... You know, who else from Milwaukee? Chris Middleton slides in. Uh, you know, Indiana is there ahead of them. Philadelphia, Boston, Detroit, Charlotte, Miami, Brooklyn, Orlando, all ahead of them. And I wonder if the coaches are going to be voting on numbers enough to get both of those guys into the All-Star game. I just... I think one of them will make it. If I had to pick, I would I would put my money on Beal making it over Wall for this year. But I, I just... It's totally possible they both make the all-star game, but it would be so weird for a 13 and 22 team to make the all-star game. Then like Orlando's not going to have any, or maybe they get Vucevic. Brooklyn's not going to have Miami's not going to have Charlotte will have Kemba. Detroit will have Blake Griffin, but you have like the five teams directly ahead of them with fewer all-stars. I feel like that goes against the way a lot of these coaches vote. So I don't, I don't know how that's going to end up with those two guys, but I think that's a really intriguing storyline, and will be an interesting little case study on, on how the how the coaches vote because neither of those guys is going to start. If they get in, it'll be with the reserves, and they both have a very legit shot, and uh, I just am very curious to see how that's going to go.
1: You know, the coaches obviously are paying attention to what's happening, but they can't watch every game, and what they do is on some level they... They 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 talk to people you know they, they talk to people around the league they they watch uh, the sports center they read articles and they have some sense of you know they, they seem the same hype that the storylines that we do and the storylines for the wizards have been all bad and John Wall to some degree has been the poster child for what's been going wrong so it would seem almost implausible even if it's wrong. It, I'm sorry. It would seem plausible, even if it's wrong, that the coaches would think, "Well, there's no way that team's getting two because they've just been they've been uh, all all kinds of negative." I even wonder if we've reached a point now if there were injuries if if they get two, like even if you took two guys off, you know, uh, let's just say Beale gets in but Wall doesn't. I don't even know how many injuries you would have to have for for them to get two, just because the perception of the Wizards this year. As we've discussed, kind of meets the reality that they have not been very good, and therefore aren't worthy of having two all stars, regardless of the stats. I think that I, I think we've reached that point to, to, to wonder that. So yeah, it'll be interesting. But look, they do have some time. It's only up, they got a month between now and when the voting ends. Who knows? Maybe they shock us all, get on a winning streak, win eight out of ten, make us all look stupid for saying they aren't. They, they, they look, you know, that they can't get this going. But I'd like to see it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm sure my listeners are familiar with your stuff by now, but, uh, plug it anyway before we go.
1: Uh, NBCSportsWashington.com, at Ben Standing on Twitter, and, uh, you know, always down for inane arguments that none of us will win, change minds over, always a good time. I enjoy wasting my life that way. I say that with big sarcasm, but I do it anyway.
0: (laughs) That is exactly what covering sports is. Inane arguments that changed (laughs) nobody's life. Um, Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Give us five stars. Leave a nice ranking. Uh, I don't believe the Wizards are practicing tomorrow because they have a back-to-back coming up, and I I guess they're going to be off probably on Sunday as well, following the back-to-backs. so not a lot of practices, but they'll have a couple of days off again, or three days off, uh, and potentially two of those practice days, heading into the Hawks game on Wednesday and It's gonna be interesting. This three game stretch upcoming is gonna be really interesting. If they drop them, they're in, uh, they're in some trouble. If they drop them, actually they're in trouble already, but they're in some more trouble. If they drop those games, uh, I will be back Friday after the Bulls game. Not sure if I'll have a guest. I might actually solo that one. I'm gonna see, but I'll, uh, I'll figure that out and, uh, I will talk to you guys on Friday regardless. I'll see you then.